0: Amen, amen. Hey, it's good to be back with y'all today. I have an opportunity to open God's Word with you. We're in Galatians chapter 3 this morning. If you want to grab out your Bible, Galatians 3 verses 6 through 9. If you don't have a Bible, you can find one in the back of the pew in front of you, and we'd love that to be a gift from us to you to take home. uh, So that you could use that. If you're not familiar with how to use the Bible, you can find a table of contents at the front. It's going to let you know where the book of Galatians is located, and then the large numbers are chapters and the small numbers are verses again Galatians chapter 3 verses 6 through 9 you know listening to Jesse preach last week I I really feel like I made a significant mistake I should have had him preach this passage but in fairness I didn't know he was gonna sing as a part of his message I didn't know that if I had known that there is a song that I would have said brother you have to sing this song and it's just incredibly appropriate And although I I led worship a number of years ago, I don't feel like subjecting y'all to that. I was neither good at it, nor did I enjoy it. It was just a part of my job. And so let's just kind of go over the lyrics to this song. I think most of you know it, and you're going to have this earworm rolling through your heads all day long, okay? Father Abraham. Right? You're just already there. Father Abraham, he had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham, and I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord, right? And so he'd be up here, right hand, left hand, right foot, left foot. He'd just be all in. It's the Christian hokey pokey. That's how we do it. (laughs) And that is the song that has kind of been rolling through my mind all week. And so let's just see how it goes. Let's read Galatians 3, 6 through 9, shall we? Paul writes to the church in Galatia. And he says, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted him as righteousness, know then that it is those of faith who are sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Let me pray once again. Father, we thank you for an opportunity to study your word, God, for the conviction that is brought about uh, in our lives through the application of your word to our hearts by your Holy Spirit. And so, God, we pray for the movement of your spirit in this place, God, that you would be stirring up in us a deep desire to be more closely aligned to you, uh, to live lives of greater submission. God, it is the cry of many of our hearts that the sin that plagues us would disappear, that we would no longer be entrapped in in, in this feeling of being enslaved to it. And so, God, today we pray for freedom. We pray for release. God, some of us today, we feel like we need healing, and so we pray towards that. But, God, we want to live lives directed by your Spirit. And so I pray that we would have a clear hearing and understanding of your word as you apply it to our hearts. God, that you would bind distractions from us, that you would help us to focus our hearts, focus our minds on your word as it is proclaimed today. We submit these things to you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Valerie and I are uh, dating a number of years ago, and I began to meet different members of her family. And when I met her dad's family there's just no, desi- no denying kind of what their lineage is, what their family tradition was, kind of how they go back, and just where they came from. In fact, if you were to look at her grandfather's uh, papers when he was in the military in World War II, it described in it, it said, hair color, black, eye color, black. They are Italian, or some of you might say, they are Italian, but regardless, They all hail from Italy, and they are an Italian family through and through. And when we started dating, and we got engaged, and we got married, one of the questions that just kind of rolled through my mind was, will I ever be accepted by her family? And I really feel like that was kind of a hanging question mark in their mind too. But will I ever be accepted by her family? And then we get married, and I'm thinking, y'all, I am in like I am a part of her family we showed up to an Easter celebration we're at her uh, aunt and uncle's house we're at this Easter celebration apparently it is a tradition in this family occasionally to give cards and in these cards there is money like I'm just excited Jesus rose from the dead I didn't know money could be a part of this but they're giving these cards and inside the cards is money and and they're just kind of handing them out, here you go, here you go, here you go, here you go. And I'm sitting there, empty hands in a barren lap. As the stack grows in Valerie's lap and her hands, I mean, she's holding a deck of cards like this. And they all only have her name on them. <laughs> yeah, you know where I'm going. <laughs> and the question rolls again, am I ever going to be a part of this family? I'm like, Maybe it's an Easter thing. I'm not really Italian. I'm only Italian by marriage. I think that's how that works. So Christmas rolls around, and I'm thinking, I'm in. Passing the Christmas cards out, passing the gift cards out, passing the presents out. Her lap is growing presents. Her hand is gr- Big old fat stack of cards. Empty lap, empty hand. The closest I came this year was a card that said, Valerie and... I think it, I think it said, your husband... Yeah, couldn't even bring themselves to write my name. If my name was Mateo, it would have been on there, but Matt is too anglicized. He could never be on there. It took a number of years before I was ever really considered to be a part of this family. In most years, I think that I am. One of the things we recognize in this passage where Paul is moving through and he wants these Galatians to understand that they are a part of God's family. You and I, we are a part of God's family. And one of the things he is so careful to drive down into their hearts is that it is the plan and the purposes of God. It is in the plan and the purposes of God that we would be united with him as a part of his family through faith. It is through faith that we become a part of the family of of God, You'll remember uh, perhaps that in 3, 1 through 5, Paul has been going through and he has this lengthy section about what it looks like to be justified, what it looks like to be right before God. And what he told them in 3, 1 through 5 is you have the spirit of God, not because you've done things well, not because you've done the right things in the right order, but you have the spirit of God because you are united with God through faith. And now what he's going to tell them in 3, 6 through 9 is that you are a part of the family of God, not because you've done the right things in the right way, but you are a part of the family of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Look at verse 6. Look at verse 6. He relates their experience of having received the Spirit to Abraham, and he says, Just as Abraham believed God and it was reckoned or it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, Paul is quoting from Genesis chapter 15, and let's read verses 1 through 6. Abraham has been sent out in Genesis 12 and in 1 through 6 of verse 5, chapter 15. It says, And after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said behold you have given me no offspring and a member of my household will be my heir and behold the word of the lord came to him this man shall not be your heir your very own son shall be your heir and he brought him outside and he said look upward look toward the heavens and number the stars if you are able to number them and then he said to him so shall your offspring be no Abram is somewhere between 75 and 99 years old. We're not told exactly how old he is in this, but but likely he's 80 plus. God brings him outside and he tells him to look up and to number the stars, which we both know is a pointless endeavor. But what has God told him? He says, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to give you a hope. I'm going to give you a family I am going to take care of you even though your present circumstances look dire they look bleak and they look uh, to be hopeless and what's Abrams response verse 6 it says he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness so in verse 6 we get into this understanding that entrance to God's family is belief that entrance into God's family is belief now what happened when Abram believed in God and it was counted to him as righteousness was he walking along and God says look let's just go outside I want you to look up and so he looks up and God just zaps him he zaps him with a holy fire and all of a sudden Abram is the the most righteous man in the world like he does nothing wrong ever again is this what happens well, that's not how I read it. It's not that he goes outside and he's got on some holy underwear and a holy robe. And God says, oh, you're dressed to the nines. Let me zap you with holiness. That's not what happens. That's not how he transforms him. That's not how he changes him. Essentially what God does in the midst of these is he takes ordinary Gentile sinful Abram. He's out there. He points to his promise. Abraham says, I believe God. And God says, I'm going to count you as being righteous. He's not actually righteous. He's not actually holy, but God chooses to see him as holy. It is not a process of change God affects in that moment. But God's way that he sees him is different on the basis of Abram's faith. It takes faith to be reckoned as righteous. It takes faith to be reckoned as righteous. Verse 7. So he turns, he says, look, uh, Galatians, this is who Abraham was. He was reckoned as righteous. Verse 7, know then that it is those who who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. Know this. It is those who are of faith that are sons of Abraham. Now, the Galatian believers had been attacked. They had been sought to be led astray by this circumcision party that had come to town, the Judaizers. And all they kept telling them over and over and over again was, Listen, you're not actually a, a follower of God until you follow the law rightly and until you take circumcision. You don't do those things. We don't want to hear how you're following God. We don't want to hear about this grace business. We don't want to hear these things. You're not following the law to the letter. None of you have been circumcised. And so you're not really a follower of God. This, this, isn't, this isn't what's taking place here. So how does Paul, how does Paul counter this? Paul comes in. And he says, listen, it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. He doesn't just communicate this and said, you just need to add this to the list of the things that you are uh, just kind of marginally aware of. The strength and intensity of this is he says, know this. How does that change and translate into our lives? There are a number of things which you might say that I know, things that I am just kind of out there and aware of but there are some things that you are so acutely aware of that they change how you act they change how you feel about yourself so when we know that it is those who are faith that are truly sons of abraham it it leads us to this understanding that obedience follows from faith not faith from obedience do you remember when Abram goes outside he looks up and God says, you trust me, you believe me, I'm going to see you as righteous. But what the Judaizers wanted them to do was to walk rigidly in obedience and on the basis of this obedience to see themselves becoming a people of faith. And that's wrongheaded. That's wrongheaded. Say you were to go and to find somebody and you're in the midst of sharing the gospel with them. And you're laying out all these various things. You're like, listen, if you want to be a Christian, this is what you have to do. you got to read your Bible. you got to go to church. you got to get in a good small group, not a bad small group, but a good small group, a small group that actually studies the Bible. you got to give some of your money away, not a whole lot, just a little bit, just enough to make it hurt, uh, like that. Yeah, you got to do all these various things. And in the midst of doing these things, if you do enough of them sequentially for a long enough time, you're good. They might look at you and say, well, How does does Jesus factor in that? And you say, oh, no, 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 no. Don't leave Jesus out. Jesus is right there in the middle of it. You just got to add all these other things to him. Because his cross is heavy. You just got to add these things to it. Paul throws that out. He says, listen. Obedience follows faith. Obedience follows faith. So we have to know this. We have to know that we belong to the Lord. We have to know that we are his people. We have to know that on the basis of Christ's shed blood, that he opens up a way for us to know God, to be forgiven our sins, to be redeemed, and to be transformed. We recognize this, that obedience follows from faith. And in the midst of knowing this, we recognize that there are certain key understandings and bits of this knowledge that transform our identity. It transforms us from being an insecure people, and it leads us to the defeat of the lies of the enemy. In the midst of sin and besetting sin and this idea that I just just can't get this right. I just can't quit doing these things. I'm an alcoholic and I can't quit drinking. I'm a lustful person and I can't quit engaging in lust. I'm addicted to pornography or whatever it is. I'm addicted to gambling. I'm addicted, addicted to work. I'm addicted to being a habitually good person or being seen as a habitually good person. In the midst of all these various things, there's no way out of it for me. There's no way out of it for me. It is this reminder, know then this, those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. It is the faith tethered to God through Jesus Christ that overcomes my insecurity and your sin. Your sin, my insecurity, my sin, your insecurity. We recognize in the middle of this, it is not doing things over and over and over again. It is faith that connects us. It is faith that assures us. And it is faith that we meet the lies and the attacks of the enemy with when he comes to you and says, are you really a Christian? Are you really a follower of Christ? Because I don't think a Christian would act like that. I don't think a Christian would think like that. I don't think a Christian would respond that way. And that seed begins to take root in our heart and we begin to flesh that out and take the lies of the enemy and begin to apply it and then ask ourselves, I think that's true. I remember reading that somewhere. You know, I, I, I think I might not be a Christian. But when we begin to counter those lies with the truth that says, know this, that those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. What makes you a Christian is your faith connection to God through Jesus. What makes you a Christian, this way of connecting, this way of being a part of his family is through the conduit of faith. So Paul goes on and he begins to build the weight and understanding of the importance of scripture. Look at what he says in verse eight, he says in the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel before him to Abraham saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. Paul, in the midst of this argument, in the midst of this discussion on the centrality of faith for belonging gives to us this beautiful statement on inspiration, this beautiful statement on the Bible and its sufficiency. Paul writing a fuller statement in 2 Timothy Chapter 3 and verses 15 through 17 says, And how from childhood you have been acquainted from the sacred writings, the Old Testament text, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. He goes on and says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. For what purpose? That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. No, 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 catch the beauty and, and, and the amazing thing that God lays out for us here. Within the fabric of the Old Testament, we see the full view of the gospel. He says, Scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel before him to Abraham. So what did Abraham respond to? In a very real sense, Abraham responded to the gracious invitation of the gospel. And so as we take this and we apply this across the framework of understanding, and we begin to ask questions like, how, what happened to David, or, or what happened to Moses, and, and, and how then can men of the Old Testament and women of the Old Testament be saved, we come away with this understanding that anyone who is ever saved is only saved in Jesus, that anyone who is ever saved is only saved in Jesus. And this applies not just to the saints of the Old Testament, but this applies to your saintly grandmother. And this applies to the people across the street. And this applies to the people that you meet at Walmart, some of them. And this applies to almost, and this applies to everyone who's ever saved. And so we come into this understanding that lest we respond to the gospel, we cannot be saved. That God is not looking at us and saying, well, here's a good person, here's a bad person, here's a superiorly good person, and they're in, they're out, and of course they're out. In the midst of these things, we recognize that our ability to enter into relationship with God flows through faith. Flows through faith. So Abram's ability to enter into relationship with God flowed through faith. And in the midst of these things, his faith was a trust that God would fulfill his promises, that God would honor his word. And so what we read in this understanding is that you and I are able to read and should read and engage the Old Testament profitably. Because we read the Old Testament not as people who are waiting on a coming Messiah, but we read through the Old Testament with an understanding that Jesus is that Messiah. We read the the Old Testament with an understanding that it's not getting us ready for faith, but we read the Old Testament with a recognition that to read it rightly, that to apply it appropriately demands that you and I exercise faith. And the Old Testament is again and again and again calling upon you and I and others saying, will you trust him? Will you exercise faith? And the faith they had to exercise in the Old Testament is that God would fulfill his promises. He would bring the Messiah. And he did. The long-awaited heir of Abraham, Jesus, the Messiah, come in the fulfillment of time what we read in Abraham is this amazing thing that God takes this guy from a heathen background. God takes a Gentile. God takes a non-Jewish person. And in them, God extends his blessing to all of humanity. In Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, that you will be a blessing. Why did Abram receive the blessing of God? Was it so that his lands would increase? Was it so that his wealth would increase? Was it so that people would look at him and say, you are truly amazing? No, we read that God blessed Abram so that he might be a blessing. He says, I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. You and I today receive a blessing from God on the basis of Abraham, on the the basis of what God has done to us through Abraham. Paul, fleshing this out in Romans 4 and verse 14, says, for if For if it is the adherents of the law who are to be heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. Do you hear what he says there? Essentially, if we receive the blessing of God through the law, if it's through the doing of, of, of things or the doing of things rightly, that we are to receive the blessing, that we are to be the heirs, he says, faith is null and the promise is void. Faith is the only way to be a part of the family of God. The way of faith is the only way to be a part of the family of God. It's so incredibly important that these Galatians understand. If they miss this, if they buy into the lives of the people of their community that it's really, doing, it's really doing of the law, it's really engaging in circumcision, it's really heading down this path that allows them to be a part of God's family. If they do this, they divorce themselves from the blessing of the gospel. They miss out on salvation and salvation through Christ. And the temptation is the same for us today. We don't have Judaizers coming to town and saying, listen, you just need to keep the law and you need to take Like I think we would hear that and just say, that is just goofy and just move on. But the temptation for us rolling through our minds is that we would forget which family we are a part of. The temptation for us is that in the busyness of life, we would forget which family we are a part of and that we would begin to believe that there's something we're doing that is keeping us in this family. That there's something that we are holding on, that that, that we are being evaluated and we are subject to removal from this family if we mess up. And so we live in the midst of this relationship with God, not from a place of security, not from a place of eternal belonging, not from a place of feeling loved by our Father, but we live in the midst of this relationship with God, feeling it's tenuous at best, that it's incredibly unstable, and that the strength of this relationship depends upon my ability to keep doing the right things in the right way. And before we come to that understanding, We have divorced our dependence upon faith, and we've begun to be dependent upon our own abilities. Listen to me then this. You will disappoint yourself. You will disappoint others. And if what holds you in this feeling of I belong and I am a part is solely on how well you do for yourself, You will always be afraid. You will always feel vulnerable. And you will miss out on a true and full experience of the love of God. This is why it's so important for them and so incredibly important for us to recognize this, that the way to be a part of the family of God is through faith. Melissa, maybe you came in today And you say, I'm not a part of the family of God. And I'm not even really sure I can be because I can't have one good day followed by a second good day. I find myself yielding and submitting to what you people in church call sin. My family doesn't want anything to do with me and I'm pretty sure God doesn't either. God doesn't extend his invitation to become a part of his family on the basis of any good thing you are doing or any good thing you will do. God extends his invitation to be a part of his family on the basis of the good thing Jesus did for you. And the good thing Jesus did for you was to look into the future and to see your waywardness to look into the future and to see your doubt. To look into the future and see your addictions. To look into the future and see your disbelief. And to take all the penalty and the punishment for your sin upon himself. And this, Jesus, he died. And then God has raised him up again after his death. And on the basis of his death and his resurrection. God extends to you an invitation to come and to be a part of his family. And he asks you, will you trust him? Because faith is the entrance to God's family. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for the gift and for your mercy. We thank you for giving to us an invitation to come and to know you. So God, we pray for those who are in this room that they have come to know you, but they feel themselves doubting, they feel themselves struggling. God, that you would remind them that the security of their salvation rests not upon the good things they are doing, But the security of salvation for the believer rests upon the eternally good thing that Jesus has accomplished for us. And Father, we ask that you would stir and move in the hearts of those either in this room or online who have yet to submit themselves to you. God, that they do not know you as Savior and Lord. Father, that you would, by the power of your Holy Spirit, bring them into conviction that they have sinned, that they need to be forgiven. God, and that in Jesus that they might receive forgiveness of their sins, redemption, eternal life, and membership in the family of God. We submit these things to you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.